You guys sound lovely. Uh, I love worshiping with you guys. Um, will you guys please open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians? Our New Testament reading will be uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be reading verses 1 to 11, and then 27 to 31 at the end. Starting in verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one in in the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And then down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, As I was reading that, I just realized that it may have been slightly different than the screen. Sorry. Um, It's a slightly different version of the NIV from the morning service. Um, It's been a long weekend. But First of all, I wanted to thank Rajan for such a great reading of the Judges passage. Um, you know, can I just say that I absolutely love the book of Judges? And, and it would be like a dream to bore you all to tears over eight months and go verse by verse through the book of Judges, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, and this week I was just so excited because this passage fit in so well with what we want to talk about today. You know, just as <clears throat> totally not having anything to do with what we're going to talk about, if you look just on the same page or right near at the end of chapter 3 after what we read, there's, there's a verse. Um, it's just one verse. It talks about one person. It says, After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. The end. That's his whole story. I mean, it's just a fantastic book. We're not going to get into that tonight. Um, maybe, maybe sometime soon we'll talk about Shamgar. But, you know, the reason we're talking about this, I think you may have seen, You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And in our passage from Judges, we saw that the Spirit of the Lord came upon this person and led Israel back to providence under the Lord. You know, and a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Pentecost. You know, and it's great. You know, it's great. We get, you know, many of you got a a Monday off of work, you know. It's, it's, It's a wonderful thing. 
But now what? You know, now what? It's funny. We have this wonderful spring season in the Christian church where we have all of these things to celebrate. We have Lent, and we have Ash Wednesday starting Lent, and then we have Good Friday, and Easter, and Ascension, and Pentecost. But it's sort of, well, it's almost summertime, time to go on vacation, and then we'll worry about things in the fall. You know, we have such wonderful potential when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God. What do we do with it? You know, and unfortunately, we sort of shy away from it sometimes, and we don't want to get too involved or one of those people that's constantly talking about the Spirit of God because we're afraid of being labeled in in some way or another. You know, this is because this is what people do. You may have seen in the news, if you check English-speaking news websites, um, it was on BBC and CNN, uh, an American televangelist recently said that God told him through the power of the Spirit that his followers needed to buy him a new $54 million private jet. He said because God told him, the Spirit told him that he was getting complacent in his faith and that God wanted him to challenge his followers to give him $54 million for his fourth jet. That's right, he already has three. This is sort of the reason people shy away from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's an extreme example, but we've all heard of these things, haven't we? Well, God told me to. Well, I can't really argue with that, can I? But tonight, what I want to talk with all of us about is spiritual gifts. You know, many of us come from different traditions, different backgrounds. Some of you may have come from a tradition where when you talk about prophecy in tongues, you were told that all of those things stopped a long, long time ago. Some of you may come from a completely opposite tradition that says that you are not saved until you speak in tongues. And then there's everything in between. And so I want to talk about this tonight through the passage in Corinthians, and then we're going to reference Judges again. So if you'd like, you can keep your Bibles open to Corinthians. Um, We're going to be going through that passage verse by verse and, and talking about it. But Paul starts in chapter 12 and basically saying, hey, concerning the gifts of the Spirit, to the church in Corinth, I do not want you to be uninformed. I mean, immediately we need to know that this is important. Immediately we need to know that we need to have some understanding. If even just for you, you need to understand how this relates to life. You know, Jenna and I were talking about this, and and she gave me permission to share this story. Uh, They have these things, and I don't know if they're popular where you're from, but in some of our circles they were. I remember taking one, these spiritual gift tests. You know, you can find them online, actually. I don't know how reliable they are, so, you know, if you get something weird, sorry. But they have these things you can take a test, and you can talk about your likes and dislikes and things, and it'll tell you what your spiritual gifts are. Well, Jenna actually shared this story with me, that when she was 21 years old in her last year of college, she she took one of these spiritual gift tests. And, and, And when she took the test, the results were sort of not what she really thought. And she thought, well, maybe I was <laughs> filling out this test wrong or, or overthinking the answers. And then so she took a second one. And then the results from that seemed even weirder. And then she ended up taking about five or six tests, just sort of overthinking this whole thing. And at the end of the whole process, joking, and we still joke today, that she doesn't really know what her spiritual gifts are. Um, I know that's not true, and, and you may agree with me, but Paul says we must not be uninformed. I mean, if someone were to ask you, this is a question I ask the youth all the time, what is your spiritual gift? What has the Spirit empowered you to do? How would you answer? Some of you may know, some of you may have a long list and think very highly of yourself, which is fine. Um, But 
you know, what would you answer? And then Paul, after saying, hey, listen, this, this is really important. You need to know this in verse 2 says that, listen, you you guys used to be pagans. You used to be influenced by all of these things of the world. Therefore, I want you to know that if you are saying Jesus is Lord, if we are all together here in the church, it's because of the Holy Spirit. That we are unified by the presence of God inside of us. And he phrases it sort of weird when he talks about you can't say Jesus is cursed and Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I mean, obviously someone who's not a believer could just say that phrase. What he's talking about is that if we have the same spirit inside of us, if we are the church as we claim to be, as we sing in these songs, then God has united us through his very presence. And he explains in verse 4, 5, and 6 that even though there are different kinds of gifts, it's the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, it's the same God. Stop and think about how wonderful this is for an international church like ours. That we are all given different gifts, abilities, and all from different ways of service from God. I mean, just think of music. Think of the diversity of music from countries around the world. Think of ways of worship and mediums of art that people worship God that are totally foreign to you, and yet to another person, this is how they connect with their Savior. You know, I, I even think of things that I don't understand and sometimes some of the things that really sort of bother me so that I might have more grace. You know, one of the things I don't really understand is, is really contemporary modern art. I remember the first time in college I went to the Contemporary Museum of Art in Chicago and, and after five minutes I thought, I need to get out of here. I do not understand this place. You know, it, it, like a pencil. There's like a pile of pencils on the floor with a spotlight on it and, and someone says that's art and to me it looks like a mess. But... What's amazing is that someone can come up with a, a medium of contemporary art or a song or a music style that you don't particularly like, and yet for them, that might be how they encounter the living God through the Spirit inside of them. That may be something you think of as crazy, a different kind of worship. Maybe someone, if you've ever been to a church with people dancing in the aisles with ribbons, if you've never been to one, it's fantastic. Amen, right? Because I remember the, I went to a church in college that was a, a, an Anglican charismatic church. And so everyone was in robes and we had the Eucharist and there was um, incense and everything. But then during worship, the priests are all dancing and swaying and people are dancing down the aisles with ribbons. And I'm sort of sitting there with my eyes open like, what is this place? You know, it took me a while to get used to it. But then once I did, you realize that God has made us all so different. And there are different kinds of gifts and different kinds of service and different kinds of worship, but it is the same God that is unifying us. And, and how someone else does something may not be the way you do something, and it may not be the most efficient way, but it is how that person is serving God. Is it how you would do it? Certainly not. But that person is honoring God through the Spirit of God. See, we, we hear this and we know it to be true that there are different gifts and it's the same God and that God is distributing these things, but do we really instill it in our lives to be open to all these different forms of worship and praise from around the world? You know, and one of the tragedies in the church is that we have divided the church along these lines of preference. You know, I'll never forget 
one of the first times I went to a Native American Indian reservation in the United States, or a Native American reservation in the United States. And, and I thought when we went to church there, it was going to be a lot of drums and some traditional things and everything. And I went to church, and it was just like white people church. They played the piano, they stand, and they sung from hymnals. And they said that when the missionaries first came, and I'm not blaming these missionaries, but when the missionaries first came, they said they had to get rid of all their traditions and worship this way. How sad is that? See, God is working in amazing ways around the world in different cultures and in different people and in all of these different gifts so that we would come together with our diversity, lifting up our diversity as something that is amazing and represents the church because his goal is unity. If you read through the Apostle Paul's letters, one of the main themes that will come out of all of them is unity. He wants the church to be together. And he says in verse 7 something very important that I want to point out. He says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I want to be very clear here that the common good, I want to distinguish that between common good and common identity. See, Christians have tried to say that the common good is a common identity. That the common good is when we all agree on everything. And so we divide and we say, okay, you like this kind of worship, we're going to have you here and you're going to have one common identity. And, and then you're going to have this common identity and this common identity and that will be the common good. No. When I read this, and and when I experience church here at IPC, I see the common good is in the diversity, is in the differences, not in the uniform practice and the uniform structure. Just as I mentioned with diversity and divisions, we do not want to all be the same. We should all want the common good. And then in verse 8, the Apostle Paul goes into some of these specifics. If you want to know the difference in verse 8 between wisdom and knowledge, he talks about it earlier in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. I'd encourage you to go read that. But he talks about to some are given gifts of wisdom. Some knowledge. You know, in verse 9, he says, to some are given gifts of faith. We all know people like that, right? Who just never seem to waver, never seem to doubt, never seem to struggle with their faith. I love people like that. They're wonderful to have in life. He says in verse 9, some people are given gifts of healing. Many people know and have seen miraculous healings. And then in verse 10, he lists some of these supernatural type of things that we don't really see every day today. He talks about miraculous powers and prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, which I would call discernment. Speaking in tongues and then also the interpretation of those tongues. But in verse 11, all these things work together and that the Holy Spirit distributes them as he sees fit. And if you are ever curious um, about the Holy Spirit and gender things, it, it, Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as male here, uh, which I think is really interesting. But then Paul goes into an analogy we're very familiar with in verses 12 through 25 or 26 about the body all being one, that we're all one body, that it all works together. You know, the ear can't say to the foot or whatever it is. And, 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 and again, if you want... Uh, some stuff to read during the week, or if you ever wonder, and you sort of think, I need to know I need to read my Bible, but what should I read? And you just sort of open it. Um, you can always just pair it with the sermons on Sundays. So you can just read 1 Corinthians 2 and talk about knowledge and wisdom and the differences, and then you can read this passage um, about the body and all the things he says there, because we're going to skip it and go down to 27. And the other great thing, actually, is just 
If you ever decide to do that and read chapters before or after the sermon, uh, you can always write me an email and let me know if I messed up or missed anything. So it could be fun. But then in 27, he says, hey, listen, we're all on the same team, right? And here's the reason that we need to have these people in the church. We need to have apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and healing and helping and guidance and tongues. And these are the things we should desire. These are the things we should want. And above all, he says, he says, seek out those important gifts. Seek these things out. God has placed in the church first apostles, prophets, and teachers. Desire the greater gifts. And then he ends with a wonderful phrase that I've always loved. And now I will show you the most excellent way. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, as many of us know, he goes in to talk about love and what love means and why we love one another. Did you see how Paul is laying out this important thing about the Holy Spirit for the church and community and what builds up the body? What is encouraging to others? What creates, as Paul talks about in Ephesians, a bond of peace among us? Diversity, creativity, individual gifts to the greater cause of that which brings people together. In our diversity, we have greater unity and rely more upon one another. And when we open our eyes to new things and new ways of doing things, then we see that there can actually be beauty in those. We see that God can use those things in ways we never thought of. You know, so many people are always wondered about, how do we grow the church? How do we grow our church? Right? How do we, how do we get more people in the doors? I, I'm not particularly worried about that. I look out in this room and there are people from around the world with different gifts and diversity and, and different you know, traits and strengths and all of these things. And if we came together with things in this room, if we came together with things in this city that people have to offer, it would be like a tower of love and of shining light to this city. And so my question then is, as you think about your gifts and you think about what God might be calling you to, it's pretty simple. What are you good at? What gives you joy? What is something that you can give to others? You know, we always talk about humility and boasting, and we're not really supposed to boast, but we all know there are some things we're good at. It's okay to know you're good at some things. You know, we know we're better at some things than others. Of course we do. I mean, you ought to know what brings you joy. What are those things in your life that really bring you joy and you want to work at and you want to grow at and you want to practice? And just as a parenthetical side note here, is if if what brings you joy is not glorifying to God, then we need to have a conversation about what joy is, because I truly believe the things in this world that bring lasting joy come from and lead us to God. And the Apostle Paul tells us that if we boast in anything, we should boast in Jesus Christ. So when it comes to your gifts, when it comes to the things you're good at, be confident. Be a strong sister or brother in Christ to be able to say, this is what I'm good at and this is what God wants me to do for his kingdom. You know, it's a weird thing to say, but to stand up and say, God has called me to do something. Now, I wouldn't start with a $54 million jet and say, God told me he wants me to have a jet. That's a strong move. But what do you do well? You know, I'll remember the first time so clearly when I learned this. 
Some of you know this, that I was a, a swimmer in college and growing up, and it just so happened that between the ages of about 16 and 22, I was really, really good at going back and forth in a pool. It, it's not the most glamorous thing, but I was really good at it. And I believe that God gave me that gift for a purpose. And what happened was, is as I was in school and studying, and I was lucky enough to go to a Christian school with a Christian swim coach who encouraged me in this, and he said, Sam, stop using your gifts for you, but use it for other people. He said, how in the world can I do something that I'm good at, that I enjoy, like just swimming, for God? I mean, that seems a little silly, right? But then all of a sudden, once I started thinking about it, it's like my eyes started opening and I realized, hey, um, I can have a good attitude with the other people I'm swimming against. I see the same people year after year from these other schools in our area that we're always competing against. Maybe instead of just sitting with my own team and sitting with my own friends, I go and introduce myself and talk to them and share with them about who I am as a person and who my God is. And what happened was, is in my time in college, and this was the first time I saw it, that God took a gift that I could easily have used for selfish reasons and showed me that I can use it for others as well. And it brought me so much more joy, so much less pressure, so much less stress. And I wasn't perfect. I, don't, I didn't lead anybody to Christ. It's not like the story ends with me leading someone to Christ. You know, it, it didn't happen that way. But it brought me such great joy to be able to just be myself and do what I was good at and give it to God. Spiritual gifts can be these things listed in Scripture. These are some of the more supernatural things listed here. But there's lots of gifts we're given. There's lots of gifts that are new to the world. You know, think about computer skills. Obviously not in the Bible. But there are people who are gifted with computers and help us here at the church. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's teaching, maybe it's management, banking. It doesn't matter what it is. If you are good at something and that brings you joy, that can lead to worship. God can use who you are and how you grew up to not only bring diversity to the church, but to bring unity to the church. There's all different kinds of gifts. And it doesn't matter if yours is something that's major supernatural and you're speaking prophecy over someone and encouraging them in their life, or if you're babysitting. The Spirit can do anything to do supernatural things. And the Spirit has made you this way to have these passions, to give you these gifts that bring you joy, that you would give them to the church, and not IPC. I don't care if it's here. I don't care where you serve. I don't care if it's a, this is an Anglican church across the street, if you prefer French and you want to worship with the French church, if you prefer German and you want to worship with the Germans and the Methodist church, or down the street with the Catholics. If you are using your gifts that God has given you to glorify him in the church, then you are bringing unity and diversity in a way that God intended. The Spirit made you this way to multiply the church, but you have to practice You have to be willing to try it. You have to get out there and do it. You have to be willing to give of yourself. You cannot train for a marathon without running. And in the same way, you cannot do this without practicing. We all have great intentions of getting involved. We all have great intentions of using our gifts. Even the the, the best piano players in the world who, who sat down at a piano at age three and it all made sense to them still had to practice. We need God and we need the church to come together and grow together. 
And when we look at the story of Judges, we see exactly what happens when the Spirit of God is present. Israel was doing evil in the sight of the Lord. They had turned to other gods. They had pursued that which was wrong. And then when God sent this judge with the Holy Spirit to come and lead the people, they stopped doing their evil ways. And what has Pentecost done? Instead of just one person with the Holy Spirit stopping a whole nation from doing evil, He has given a whole nation the Holy Spirit. It's not just one of us, it is all of us now. The Holy Spirit is so powerful that in the Old Testament, when a whole nation was doing evil, one leader with the power of the Spirit was able to turn them from their evil ways. And now, God is saying, I have given all of you that same power. I have given all of you that same gift, that Holy Spirit to use your art, your management, your encouragement, your music, your service, whatever it is. To bring the kingdom of God to earth. To bring the love of God to this world. To shine light in the darkness. And we do that by what Paul talks about in the very next chapter. By loving this world through our service. The most excellent way to live. The reason I love judges so much is not because one guy killed 600 Philistines with an ox code. I mean, it's kind of cool but because one person with the power of the Spirit was able to shape the history of an entire nation. And here we all are, a room of 60, 65 people, and every single one of us has the power of the Spirit if we claim the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What more could we do? May we be brothers and sisters who discern the Spirit of God and use the gifts given to us. Please pray with me. Lord, you are good. We see it every day. We see it in a place like this where we are free to worship without persecution, without judgment. Where we have a nice room with nice instruments and sound equipment and God, on a warm night, we'll have ice cream tonight. It's a gift. And Lord, I pray that we would take this time of worship together as one body And that we would encourage one another in our different gifts. Encourage one another in our diversity. Encourage one another in this weird, weird looking body you have made. Lord, we are your church whom you love. And we trust you to lead us in the way we should go. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.